1: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, October 6th, 2022. I am Graham G. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. And this is the anniversary edition of WrestleRant Radio here today. We're going to talk about it a little bit more with Mr. Marceau a little bit later on, but it was nine years ago, if you could believe it, I certainly can, um, that I started the show on October 8th. 2013 on my college campus a month removed from arriving at school freshman year started up a show it took a couple weeks to start up you know settled on the name Wrestle Rant Radio and we've been going strong ever since Mr. Marceau has been a big part of the show in the last 10 years near nine years right now but next year is the 10-year anniversary and as I'll discuss with him later, you know, potential ten-year plans for the big ten-year anniversary show reunion episode, uh, maybe coming October fifth, two thousand and twenty-three. We'll see. But uh, yeah, it's a big anniversary week. Uh, we had the anniversary edition of Dynamite, of course, on Wednesday. Some more backstage turmoil involving Sammy Guevara and Andrade El Idolo. Extreme Rules coming up on Saturday. Season premieres. Of Raw and SmackDown coming up in the next few days, a lot of changes going on cosmetically, uh, commentary-wise with both brands, all three brands actually, including NXT, and uh, there's a lot to discuss here on WrestleRant Radio, but before any of that, I'm going to be airing my exclusive interview from early, or rather late August, with the one Matt Riddle, head of his uh, Fight Pit match on Saturday at Extreme Rules, going to be airing this interview from the WWE Springfield live event where that night he took on Rollins in a Extreme Rules match. Uh, they're going to be fighting in the pit on Saturday, like I said. This was before their Clash of the Castle match. And I recorded this interview as part of a feature I did, as I talked about in the last couple of weeks, for Bleach Report focusing on WWE live events and how they help people. Riddle was one of the few people I talked to. He was fucking awesome. Uh, he gave me some great stuff. And we're going to be airing the interview for the first time here today. The video should be up at some point in the next couple of weeks. Days I'll probably be putting the uh, video of it up on my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant, but the audio, it's WrestleRant Radio here today. New episodes every single Thursday of WrestleRant Radio on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. That being said, guys, please welcome at this time my special guest for this episode of WrestleRain Radio, my interview from late August with WWE Raw superstar, the bro, Matt Riddle. What's going on, guys? Graham G. Matthews here at BleachReport.com, live in Springfield, Mass. WWE live event. We're here with Riddle. Riddle, what's going on, man?
0: Dude, just chilling. Got done wrestling, set freaking wrongs, and uh pretty successful night with the street fight here in uh, Springfield Massachusetts so it was a good day for the bro I
1: was going to say still cleaning out my ears that reaction was insane dude oh. especially when you got the table too but when you came out that reaction you got from that audience was deafening has that been consistent lately for you on these shows
0: you know it's been pretty consistent you know in Canada with uh, my oh, mixed martial sure. arts background mm-hmm. I'm a fan favorite up there, and then I wrestle a lot in the Northeast, going through the Indies, and even amateur in high school and college. And so I feel like, you know, people know from this area, even though I fought in
1: Vegas and, you know, kind of everywhere. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. exactly. And especially this year, it, it's crazy to see your journey from the last year, you know, starting out on Raw in the mm-hmm. last two years, mm-hmm. and going from the Thunderdome too. Because you debuted during the Thunderdome. I did. I did. And then coming to the main roster, like, did you have a fear as like, I don't know if people are gonna react to me, I don't know if people are gonna care? And this is kind of before or during the RK-Bro stuff. And you, you, you know,
0: know what, roster. I'll say, Thunderdome I was pretty stoked about. It kind of reminded me of like The Ultimate Fighter. There's yeah, no yeah, crowd, yeah, but you're on TV. Yeah. So like, I was kind of used to that kind of part. It's kind of good way to get my feet wet on yeah. the main roster. But yeah, when we're going back to crowds, I was like, you know, are they going to be like they were when I was tagging with Pete? Like yeah. the bros were ways Because last show I did, the like, big one was like Portland. Yeah, right in Oregon, that. And we won the NXT Tag Team yep. Championships. And the reaction was crazy. But yeah. of course, I'm... You know, Portland, Oregon. (laughs) And uh, I'm kind of a guy up there. Of course. But yeah, when we came back and we got fans to hear the reaction, and it's been pretty steady. Don't get me wrong, they really enjoy Randy, and we all miss Randy very much. I know you do, I know I do. But uh, I still get a pretty warm reception when I come
1: to the room. I was going to say, especially since I think some people may have assumed early on, maybe without Randy, Not that you would be a nobody, but it wouldn't be, the reaction wouldn't be as strong. I'm not saying, I'm saying that. I didn't say
0: you said it, but you weren't the one who said it That is true, that is true.
1: But then you come out there, Randy's been gone for months now and you're still coming out, and it feels like, obviously when Randy comes back, you guys can pick up right Mm. where you left off. That's the beauty of the Arcade Bro, but it seems like you've really found your footing on your own, and to the point now where, a week from today, you're facing in a rematch, because we saw it tonight. Mm. Seth, Clash of the Castle, Mm. I mean, it's a great uh, kind of evolution, I guess, so to speak.
0: Yeah, you know, I would say, how do they say, the rub, you know, I feel like I've been very fortunate with guys like Randy taking me into their wing, and then yeah. uh, even John Cena, when he came back, we did a little bro-off, yeah, yeah. you know, and all those little things, even though they're little, they help, and uh, yeah, you know, things have been really good. The journey on the main roster has been awesome, and now that uh, I'm fortunate to see Ben step down, but to have Triple H in that place, it's... Uh, it's, uh, it's nice, you know, it's yeah. a, I think it's just a nice change of pace, and uh, it's almost like going back to NXT, but at a much bigger scale.
1: Yeah, and you're in an interesting position, too, because it's not like you weren't on TV previously. Like, with this new regime, it's only going to stay the same, if not accelerate, because, you know, under Triple H's NXT, you were a massive star even at that point. Have you had any conversation with him in the last month at all, or has it just been kind of just going out there and doing your thing?
0: You know, I feel like, uh, I think he had a lot of things he wanted to get done once he got in that position, Mm -hmm. and he knew he had, like, a lot of top stars, like Cross Mm -hmm. and others, that he wanted to bring back. And you know, and present a certain sure. way, which worked very well. Yeah. So I think, uh, I, I think he knows he doesn't have to worry about me. I think he knows I sell merchandise. He knows <laughs> I'm dependable in that yeah. ring. He knows I get people talking about matches. And I think he knows me, myself, and Seth Rollins are gonna. Well, he'll burn it down. I'll burn it down a different way. But we're gonna have a great match. Yeah. And
1: call it in Cardiff. So. Well, I was gonna say, from a fan standpoint, it's been cool to see, regardless of whose regime it is, who's in mm-hmm. charge. We've seen a more serious side to you as of late. Probably for the first time since well, NXT is right. I, and I, there's I, a reason for
0: it. I would say that's the, the Triple H aspect. Yeah. I feel like uh, Vince, you know, had an idea of my character, which was really good. Yeah. You know? It worked. It hey, yeah. worked. Yeah, people liked me. <laughs> but it was almost over the top, kind of spacey don't know what's really going on yeah, which is yeah. still kind of me <laughs> but a little tone back and I react naturally like if somebody spits in my Cheerios I'm yeah. not going to be happy about it while with you know other people I might have been like oh man my Cheerios have spit in it <laughs> you know yeah. so I think uh things things are just a little different I enjoy it and uh, we'll see what the future holds you know at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Already off to a strong start, seeing you back on Raw with a win over Seth tonight here at the live events. And yeah. it's interesting, you've only been on these live events with the company, you know, a year into your month of the run of the main roster, because you started, as we said, during the Thunderdome era. Uh, how has that experience been for you, being on the house show circuit and what you've learned and stuff like that?
0: I mean, it's it's good. I mean, when I was on the independent scene, I felt like my schedule was a lot more hectic. hectic interesting, the, yeah. Yeah, with travel, just because... I was traveling a lot, I was in high demand, and I would go to Europe a lot, mm-hmm. and depending on which shows are more popular or where I'm going to sell more merchandise, yeah. etc. If I haven't been somewhere in a while, I want to get there. So I would ping-pong between countries and continents when I was on the Indies. Well, now it's like, you know, today, Springfield, Massachusetts, I be tomorrow New Hampshire, so yeah. we're still in, like, that area. And even Pittsburgh isn't that far, while well, Indies would be... California, New York, Australia for a week and then back to England, you know, it was is everywhere. Yeah, I had no schedule.
1: <laughs> do you have any favorite place you like to wrestle now? Like any region of the country, or any re- any other country? Like any
0: be I, of. I, I like wrestling in the UK. I know you know Wales, Scotland, mm-hmm. Ireland. They might not consider themselves the UK, or maybe they do. It Depends on who you talk yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I really enjoyed the English and the Scottish and the Irish fans. You know the Welsh. Yeah. bands, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, they, they have a lot of energy, I think it's also because of their uh, lax drinking laws, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you can have a couple cocktails basically anywhere, <laughs> but uh, they, they, have, they bring a lot of energy to the table, and it definitely makes our job a lot of fun. Most yeah.
1: definitely, you talk about that relaxed nature, obviously you're the most ultimate relaxed individual, with these house shows, that's kind of what we're seeing now behind the scenes and, you know, and, and the actual ring, yeah. do you kind of prefer these house shows to kind of get the interaction with the audience and less stressful backstage TV is amazing don't get me wrong Uh, but where's the comparison for you between the two
0: I like both they're different you know I I like this because it's very lax of days compared to TV because it's still a show I'm still going out there I still have somebody's life in my hands and I'm still entertaining people but at the end of the day it's not live TV if I fumble a little line or this or that, it's not the end of the world, yeah. you know. I mean, on TV it's really not either, yeah. it's me. And I mess up all the time, and <laughs> people don't notice what they do, yeah. they don't care. Uh, but yeah, you know, but for me, it's, they're both fun in different ways, yeah. you know. I personally prefer TV, okay. I like the pressure, mm-hmm. it, it just makes it more fun. Yeah. While uh, these shows, the shows are very laid back, like I was yawning pretty hard before that street <laughs> fight. And usually I don't yawn that much before a street Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. It's just what it is.
1: Well, hopefully, you can deal with Rollins next Saturday at Clash. Get him in your rearview mirror. Unfortunately, the last chance match with Roman, you fell short of, so you can't challenge for the championship yeah. 4 Segal feature. But if Drew wins next weekend, that goes away. So I was going to say what your next goal is, but I might have just answered my own I mean,
0: question. I have a lot of goals. Okay. You know, I think I'm still in my infancy yep. when it comes to WWE. And, uh,. Also, you know, uh, I don't think they work here anymore, but Lucha House Party, before they left, they told me, Riddle, this isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, bros. So, I, I think that's it, and I think, because uh, you know, sometimes you're up, sometimes me and Randy are the tag team champions, and we're doing it, and yeah. I'm facing Roman, and then sometimes you're not, and you're getting beat up, and almost <laughs> is beating you or something, you know, and, it sucks, yeah. but uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I think just being positive, and I don't know where else I'd be where I get paid as much as I do to have as much fun <laughs> as I do here, so. I feel like I win every day.
1: Yeah. yeah. Was there like a turning point where you just mentioned the positivity and, and like the ups and downs? Was there a point where you got adjusted and You can never get 100% adjusted. It's always going to stink or be great no matter what, regardless of the yeah, situation. Yeah,
0: well, I look at it like this it could always be better, right? But yeah. it could always be worse. <laughs> Words right? wisdom, yeah. And it usually gets worse before it gets better. So, yeah. and I think, especially with my UFC career yep. and the way that ended. And now that I'm in this situation, I think I just want to enjoy every step. And that's about it. You know, I felt like with the UFC career, I was just so overwhelmed with things, fighting, raising three kids. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's it's tough. And then get failing, you know, drug tests and yeah. getting fired. And, uh. So, <laughs> you know, for something that's now... socially accepted. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Depends on where you are. And that's a whole other story. Yeah, if you're in Russia, you know, (laughs) let's not go
1: there. (laughs) Something, you know, so many things have changed in the last two and a half years since you arrived there. Well, you signed with WWE four years ago. You've accomplished so much. You're a former U.S. champion, NXT tag team champion, Raw tag team champion. Two-time
0: Raw tag team champion. Two-time Raw tag team champion
1: with Randy Orton, no less. You know, it's What's crazy, What's it's amazing, dying. it's really cool to see how much you've done in such a short period of time, and all the people you faced faced, like I said, you just beat Seth out there, you faced Roman a couple of months ago, it was funny because we actually spoke coming off of SummerSlam last year, because that was where you won the Raw Tag Team titles, mm-hmm. we spoke like a couple days later, that was where you mentioned the Roman Reigns match. And you call them out. Oh, was like, that on this? That set? was
0: our interview. Oh, so, <laughs> so the funny thing the funny thing B about were that, <laughs> that one. That guy was so pissed with me. What man. was the
1: backlash of that? And that wasn't even my question. Someone actually asked me to ask that question, and I didn't know. I know, I know. Did. It
0: wasn't a big deal. I didn't you know how it is. Same yeah, same yeah. same thing with Brah, no disrespect. <laughs> yeah. Saying your name, no disrespect. Same thing with Rowan, no disrespect. For sure. But it just seems like you know, we're in this business. I want to get people riled up, you know, <laughs> and I do. They start talking, and then people get upset, you know, and then I'm kind of confused because I'm like, "What are we doing here?" Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: right. i <mean>, like, <laughs> uh, point Where like you've been talked to, and you're like, I can't really do that stuff as much anymore. The, the, the
0: backlash. Uh, I mean, the backlash from Brock was—he pulled me aside and said, "Don't mention my name again." It's <laughs> never happening. We're never going to work together. But we did. Yeah. And then with Roman, he didn't do that, but he would walk by and say stuff under his breath. Yeah. And I would kind of be like, come <laughs> on. Like, don't, don't do that. Holy and man. then, and then, but then we, you know, it takes a while. People usually hate or love me. Yeah, 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 took a minute, but I feel, I'm not going to say Roman loves me. Nope. I don't think we're going to ever be, kind of like me <laughs> and Seth. I don't think we'll ever love each other. Absolutely. We yeah. might respect each other one day, but... But I think he respects me. He respects my body of work, just like yeah. I respect his body of work and what he brings to the table. And I think, w- when it comes to business, we're business, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, we're, we're good now.
1: It's funny that Rain and Brock.
0: Like- I feel like me and Brock. Are-
1: yeah, like you said, you work with each other quite a bit this year, and that's something no no one ever thought we would uh, see coming I up. Those comments, I
0: definitely didn't think you yeah. would ever have. And you, you
1: haven't worked with him on TV, but Goldberg's another one who has spoke highly of you in the last year, which is cool. I'm, to see I'm him hoping
0: do. Uh, Willie G comes back <laughs> and I <laughs> yeah. get a crack at him. I think I think it would be, you know, I think it would be a good one. We we kind of have the the base with the heat, yeah. you know, and I, I think we could work off a lot of things, you know. And I would say, me and me and Bill, we've squashed some of our beef, but yeah. at the same day, I'm still Riddle, he's still Goldberg, and <laughs> yeah. that's just what it's kind of like. I'm still Riddle, Rollins, Roman. And then, I would say at the end of the day, I'm not their favorite person.
1: But Randy, you know, you're oh, one of I'm favorite, people. favorite I was going to say, that's person. funny that he's on that side. And that's all that
0: matters, movie. really. Yeah, exactly. You know, I wish he was here right yeah. now, but uh, if I'm Randy's favorite person...
1: <laughs> Pretty cool. Not bad company to be in Last yeah, question, going yeah. off of that As far as when the last time you spoke to Randy was And what that last text conversation included Even if it was something as minuscule as What you're doing for dinner tonight
0: Alright, I talked to Randy this past week He always hits me up at cool. the brawl usually And uh, he said, great stuff The brawl, you know Diving on set, yeah, getting yeah. all crazy In the crowd, he's like, it looks good You look good Miss you, I'll miss you Randy and, uh, yeah.
1: Awesome. And we look forward to That was it. Hopefully of, it's not long before we see you back together on the road. And as he, does he keep that stuff quiet from you? And you don't have to say anything as far as when you expect him to be back. But did he talk about his recovery process at all?
0: Uh, well, right now, I think right now the big thing for him was enjoying this summer with his family, cool. enjoying that because, you know, the road to recovery and everything's going to be brutal and yeah. everything else. So I think he just wanted to take a break. Hang out with his family before he gives it another big run. And summer break, <laughs> summer break, you know. Exactly. What comes en- once
1: a year. Yeah, absolutely. And you're enjoying all the success. In the meantime, you're facing Seth next Saturday at Clash of the Castle. We saw a great match out there here in Springfield, mm. These Springfield Street fights. So if that was any taste of what we can expect on Saturday, it's going to be another instant classic. So. Yeah, should be. Should, it should be, be good. We look forward to it. Riddle, thanks for the time, man. All I appreciate right. it. Thank you, Awesome. Bro. Thank you. Thanks to Riddle for the time. He was obviously cool, calm, and collected the entire time, as you could probably hear in the audio there. Um, the video of that interview will be up here on, not here on the show, that you already heard the audio, uh, on the YouTube channel on probably Monday in the next few days. Keep an eye out for that, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. Plenty more content coming to the YouTube channel, so if you have not already subscribed, please do so. To that show, this show, all the shows. Uh, But now we transition to my chat with Mr. Marceau talking all the latest in WWE and AEW on the near nine-year anniversary of WrestleRant Radio, as it was nine years ago from this coming Sunday, October 8th. I started the show at Endicott College, and it wasn't long after that Mr. Marceau, my guest for today, and of course my co-host, joined me on WrestleRant Radio. What's going on, RJ, brother? How you doing? And happy anniversary.
2: Doing well. Almost nine years? Jesus crow. That's a long time.
1: I know it's a long-ass time. It's a big anniversary week. We had the anniversary edition of Dynamite that we'll get into momentarily. Um, I my own grandparents, actually, Mr. and uh, Grandma and Grandpa Mermina, uh Matthews, I should say, I can't use my shoot name here, but uh, they celebrated 65 years yesterday. I couldn't make it due to being an Endicott which was the uh, obviously the birthplace of uh, Wrestle Rant Radio nine years ago from Saturday. What I was thinking about yesterday, I was walking by where the new radio room is on campus. It's not in that broom closet, <laughs> that broom closet of a radio room that we were in for so many years at Endicott. Um, they had that new radio room there. It falls on, you know, October 5th next year, falls on a Thursday. Obviously, that's not the exact anniversary. That's going to be Sunday, 2023, October 8th. Uh, But I don't know, Mr. Marceau. I'm thinking about doing something. We'll see if we can work out the schedules and if we can make ourselves available. But I don't know. I'm thinking about a year from now doing some sort of either a live show, a reunion show on the campus where it all started almost exactly 10 years later. I feel like that would be a great way to kind of come full circle.
2: Yeah, call Randall up.
1: (laughs) I don't know if he's still running the thing. I'm curious. I know uh, a few of the people involved in the TV station over there are no longer there. But no, I was thinking about that. I, I probably won't hit them up a year in advance. But as it gets closer... Just an idea. Maybe uh, get some phone calls or something. I feel like uh, it'd be fun. We've done a couple of shows here uh, of Wrestle Radio in person, you know, back on, uh, I think it was St. Patrick's Day, back at your place earlier this year, which was great. And uh, definitely got to do more of those. Unfortunately, I will not be seeing you tomorrow for SmackDown in Worcester, but the season here, I know, I know. I'm going to be at Extreme Rules Saturday, New York Comic Con tomorrow instead, unfortunately. I mean, not unfortunately, but I am bummed I'm not going to be seeing you in Papa Marceau. Uh, looking forward to that, though. But you got to be excited, right? It's looking like it's going to be a stacked show on Friday night.
2: Yeah, I'm ready for the season premiere of SmackDown. I think it's going to be a great show. I'm excited, and it's going to be a good night.
1: It's going to be a good night. It's a very busy weekend ahead. We have SmackDown tomorrow night, season premiere. You're not only getting uh, Solo Sokoa versus Ricochet, you're also getting Logan Paul and Roman Reigns, Mr. Marceau, on SmackDown tomorrow night. That's a pretty loaded lineup. That's not even, con- not, that's not even considering the main event. Gunther and Sheamus, two Intercontinental Championship. That's going to be crazy.
2: Yeah, I can't wait. It's gonna be great. I mean, Logan Paul, we're like best friends with Logan Paul we
1: met. Yeah, him. exactly, both of us, yeah.
2: So yeah, it's good him and Roman Reigns gonna be great. solo and uh and Ricochet should be a fun match and like you said the main event we'll go with there and uh And Sheamus will be a good
1: one, so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it uh, from home. Unfortunately, I wish I could be there, and I'm sure they're going to probably have some new debut or come back. Hopefully, I'm not going to get my hopes up, but it is the season premiere. They like to do that sort of stuff uh, for these shows. Season premiere of SmackDown on Friday. Season premiere of Raw on Monday. Extreme Rules on Saturday, as I mentioned. We'll get to the Extreme Rules predictions uh, probably by the end of the show. But I will mention this, kind of some breaking news. Uh, It was revealed earlier this afternoon as we speak on Thursday. New look for the commentary teams on... I'm talking from an announcer standpoint, commentator standpoint, uh, interviewer standpoint... On all three brands, Raw, SmackDown, NXT. They kind of did this bit of a shakeup three years ago when uh, you know SmackDown moved to Fox... And they had Michael Cole and Corey Graves and Raw... I think still had a three-man booth. I think it was Vic Joseph, Dio Madden, who's now Massey in uh, Maximum Male Models on SmackDown. I think it was those two and I think Jerry Lawler, which was fucking awful because he's just terrible... Um, that announced team did not last long. Hopefully the new announced teams on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT last a little bit longer. We were talking about it before we went live here as far as what might be temporary and stuff like that. Uh, I do want to get your takeaways, though. I, again, I already mentioned this to you before we went live here, but I'll reread it here for the show. Um, per, I think it was the wrestling, or rather, variety, going forward, they put up an article this afternoon revealing the new announced team changes. Jimmy Smith, unfortunately, leaving WWE, Not sure if that was his own choice, if his contract expired. Uh, We weren't 100% sure on that. I don't know if they want to go in a different direction. Uh, For all intents and purposes, I honestly thought he was really good. He's obviously made his fair share of mistakes, but not nearly as much as Adnan Virk and people before him. And, you know, I like people like Tom Phillips and Vic Joseph, but, you know, they have the voice for it, obviously. At the same time, it just kind of felt like that standard WWE, Michael Cole 2.0 type stuff. And... I don't know, I'm just not a big fan of Vic Joseph on NXT at this point, I think he's fine, Um, but I want like a truly great commentator, and the thing with Jimmy Smith, as we talked about when he first debuted a year and a half ago, he brought that sports legitimacy to the show, I thought, like he comes from the MMA, UFC, sports combat world, where it kind of feels like, not that you're watching that sort of stuff, but the timing couldn't be worse, because we're getting Daniel Cormier in a fight pit on Saturday at Extreme Rules, so it kind of sucks that he's not going to be there for that, unless his last day is at Extreme Rules, uh, which it very well could be, I'm not sure. But um yeah, it just it's unfortunate that he's no longer there. But on the Raw now Steam replacing them, we've got Kevin Patrick, who uh, most people may be familiar with. He was the backstage interviewer for the about for the last year or so on Raw. Um, he's also done RAW talk, he's done a lot of other stuff, he's done commentary and main events, so he's not exactly new to it. But he's going to be the new voice of Monday Night Raw, apparently, alongside Corey Graves. Mike Rome remaining the ring announcer. Kathy Kelly coming back to WWE for the first time since early 2020. Uh, she and Byron Saxton, who is off the Raw commentary team, going to be doing backstage interviews. Which, another takeaway, by the way, no three-man booth on Mondays anymore. For the first time in probably... I don't know. Ten years, no three man booth. So I think that's a big positive change. I know they do that for the three hour show, but I don't care. I prefer the two hour. I I I prefer the two man booth personally. Uh, Smackdown's gonna have Michael Cole and Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett coming up from NXT. Uh, Pat McAfee, I assume, will replace Barrett when he comes back from college football season, probably the end of the year. Uh, Samantha Irvine doing the ring announcing. Caleb Braxton, Megan Morant, back to the interviewers. Nothing new there. NXT is going to have Booker T on commentary with Vic Joseph. What a random <laughs> fucking pairing. Um, Alicia Taylor, ring announcer, Mackenzie Mitchell doing backstage interviewing. So, And Michael Cole and Corey Graves uh, splitting the Raw and SmackDown duties on pay-per-view. So it's only going to be a two-man booth on pay-per-views too, starting, I would assume, at, at Extreme Rules with those two. And they've always worked well together on SmackDown and on Raw. So... I just threw a lot at you, Mr. Marceau, but between the Jimmy Smith departure and some of the returning faces coming to Ron Smack, SmackDown, what are your top takeaways from the commentary shake-up in WWE?
2: Yeah, I really like Jimmy Smith. Like you said, I feel like he was one of the better play-by-play guys, like you, like you also mentioned. Like Tom Phillips and, and uh, Vic Joseph, they're fine, but like you said, they, they scream like Michael Cole 2.0, so it was nice to have someone different in there. And Like I, like you said, I don't know if, we, if he's not renewed or if they just let him go or what's going on but yeah I mean I like that it's a two man boot though I mean I like Corey Graves I'm not sure how him and Kevin Patrick will be together but I'll I'll let it at least see what it is first and then complain after the fact Um, Cole and Barrett like you said I think it's just temporary until Pat's back from college football I like them anyway so that'll be good and then NXT is NXT. I'm not a big Vic Joseph guy but I guess we'll see if he gets any better
1: were you ever a Booker T fair in commentary or no? Because I, I certainly was not.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, to him, to me, like the him Lawler, like Shivani, I feel like I put them all in the same category. Mm-hmm. They're kind of there for like noise. Like they're not, they don't put any actual insight in that actually matters.
1: You're telling me you didn't like Tony Shivani uh, cheering on the National Scissoring Day last night on Dynamite?
2: No, I do not. Him, like.
1: No, I I throw
2: Byron in there as well. Like they're just like the third announcer that literally brings zero to the match. It's just a waste of time.
1: Yeah, like Percy Watson was not NXT once upon a time. Yes, yes, and a few other people in that role as well. But uh, yeah, no, I I agree. I I don't really need uh, someone like that on the commentary team. But hopefully, it's only temporary. That being said, though, dude, I mean, I know Booker T is a name. He hasn't been on commentary in, in many years. I don't think. I think he was on the Raw commentary team maybe in. 08, 07, or not 08, uh, 2018, 2017, something like that. Where the fuck, as I mentioned to you earlier, is Nigel McGinnis? I think he still works there. He does their Level Up show, which is their NXT show on Hulu, I think. Um, He does that show with them, so he's still there, I know. He wasn't let go unless he has been let go, and I just don't know. Um, but why would you put Booker T in that spot when you could just have Vic Joseph and Nigel McGinnis? That sounds like a perfectly fine combo for NXT. That just doesn't really make much sense to me.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, he's doing more behind-the-scenes things that we don't know about. That's what I would assume. Because besides that, I mean, like I said, Booker T's awful, so I don't know why you'd have him in the booth besides Nigel. So maybe his has other commitments, but besides that, there's no real excuse.
1: Yeah, especially now that NXT UK is done. Uh, definitely a questionable choice. Are uh, you looking forward to Kathy Kelly being back? Not excited or indifferent?
2: No, yeah, it's fine. I mean, as an interview, I really don't pay attention to them as much.
1: Yeah, I thought she always did a good job. She was always pretty big on, like, the social stuff as far as, like, dot-com and shit as someone who pays attention to that stuff. I, I was always a fan of her, so uh, I'm glad she's back. She always had that great chemistry and dynamic with Undisputed Era, so unfortunately she's coming back to an Undisputed Era-less WWE, but I'm looking forward to seeing her on the Raw roster as an interviewer going forward, so some uh, cool changes. I think it's uh, perfect timing with the season premiere of Raw and SmackDown coming up in the next few days. On that same note, um, I don't know if this was a legit report. Alexis showed me this, and, you know, if you see a tweet on Twitter, you got to look at the source. I'm not talking about Zero News and Ringside. I'm not talking about that bullshit. I'm pretty sure she found this from an actual source. I forgot who it was, so I apologize. But the new sets, I I hear that Raw and SmackDown might be getting new sets, maybe not unique to each show like Raw and SmackDown did three years ago when they had that giant-ass Raw ramp, and then SmackDown had, like, I don't even know what you would describe it as, but they had their own unique set, and they had to trash it when they went into the, the performance center for uh, COVID. So uh, when you hear that, are you excited? Are you looking forward to that, or do you not think we're getting a new set? Any, any real major cosmetic changes made to each brand?
2: No, I think we should. I mean, I've, I've seen reports that they're going to do something different, too, and I think they could. I mean, when they both have the same set, it just has the same feel, and it feels no different. Yep. Just a It's just a little cosmetic change goes a long way, so I think a little change is needed. The whole just like big jumbotron basically thing, like it's not it's not pleasing at all. I'm not really sure what they're going for with that.
1: Yeah, no, I've always been uh, I've always been very surprised. They've uh, you know had them be as same as they are. I mean, it's just the fact they don't really feel overly different from one another aside from the commentary teams, which is good. You know, they don't have people pulling double duty. Corey was for a little bit there while Pat was out, but thankfully no longer. Um, do you agree? On the side note, that this has been an over an overarching criticism of the company in recent years from people like I think Bischoff and people like that. I don't really agree or disagree one way or the other. But what are your thoughts in WWE? Kind of going off what you just said, feeling too polished. I mean, it's kind of had the same setup as far as a Titantron. It's just. I mean, I guess you can define that word in whatever way you want but it just doesn't really feel, I mean, the show is Monday night raw and it doesn't really feel raw. I mean, they're getting better with some of the storylines, but it doesn't really feel gritty or I don't know. Everything's kind of clean cut. And as someone who would like as a measure of OCD, I guess I, I like that sort of stuff, but I can't really, I, I can't disagree with the notion that it does feel a little polished and a bit more spontaneity would be nice once in a while.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like it's, I just, the, where they are at this point, it's like, it's not like they're, they're a very successful company. So it's, I don't know. I feel like it'd be weird if RAW was like kind of like grungy. I don't know. Like mm. I said, originally it was more like that. They're also kind of brand new, and it was more of like they're kind of probably working more off a budget. When now they have so much money that everything can be polished. So I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Like I said, I just feel like they should have a different feel to the show, like a different set or even just different format and stuff like that. But besides that, I I, I don't want RAW's like production quality to go down just uh, make it feel different.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I would like to see the Raw announced team back by the stage. I thought that was always a cool touch. They didn't really have that when I was growing up a fan, but they did back in the mid-2000s when you were watching.
2: Yeah, SmackDown was down by the ring, and Raw was up by like where AEW has it, yeah, right near
1: the ring. Yeah, they actually did that for a few years when they brought back the brand split in 2016. They actually did that, and they kept it that way for a long time. Um, even during COVID, they had the Raw announced team by the stage and the SmackDown announced team by the ring, And then for whatever reason, I think when they went back on the road, they moved away from that for whatever reason. So, um, I don't know. I I think that's the small little things that make each show feel different. It's not a game changer, but, you know, I I would like to see more of that sort of stuff going forward. So I mentioned the anniversary stuff, anniversary of this show, the anniversary of Dynamite on Wednesday. We'll get into that in a moment. We'll save the Extreme Rules and Raw Thoughts for the end here. Uh, We do got to get into this, though. We're a little bit in here, and we haven't addressed this yet. The backstage altercation, altercation reported on by... TMZ uh, between Sammy Guevara and Andrade El Idolo. We all saw the tweets, unless we were living under a rock from Tuesday between the two. It all started and stemmed from an interview that um, Andrade did on Monday with Masalucha, I believe is what the outlet is called talking about his lack of TV time is running AEW overall pretty, you know, he, he gave the answers that you would think he would not, and that they were <clears throat> like company answers, but you know, he mentioned that he wasn't overly enthused with the lack of TV time he's gotten in AEW so far. But he did make the comment about Sammy and the fact that he thought he was too soft because I guess Sammy complained that he hit, you know, he hit him too hard or whatever. And then he talked shit behind his back, blah, blah, blah. Just kind of high school backstage drama bullshit. Not not completely unfamiliar to the wrestling world, of course. We see this shit all the time. Not quite to this level, though, to the point where they're going back and forth on Twitter. Um, You know, Sammy obviously read the interview, heard the interview, subtweeted whatever, you know, I hate that the term is so fucking dumb, but you know, that that's basically what it was by the definition of the term. Um about Andrade, Andrade responded, they go back and forth, not resolved. Tony Khan publicly does not step in, maybe he did behind the scenes, we, we don't know. I don't I don't work there, I don't know. And then it gets to a point where it clearly was not resolved because Andrade probably confronted a backstage per this report. It sounded like he threw punches <clears throat> and Sammy did not. And that's why Sammy still competed in the main event. Now, the fact that Sammy was still in that match and even fucking won the thing by pinning Garcia. I mean, they're probably setting up Garcia and Guevara for the pure title. Who gives a shit? Who fucking cares? Who cares about Garcia versus Guevara for the pure title? I mean, that to me just spells this guy is booking as a mark, and doesn't want to interrupt his storylines, when in reality, Sammy should have been off the show. Andrade's off of Rampage. I mean, it sounds like he threw the first punch, and he was the aggressor. Okay, it makes sense to take him off of Rampage, but Guevara was involved. Guevara and Kingston were involved in that backstage altercation. They were both off the show for a few weeks, so what the fuck is different in this case? And Sammy was part of the problem as well. It sounds like he's a little backstage baby, so this is a mess. There's more that we could say about this, but what's your instant reaction as far as the latest... Uh, turmoil going on behind the scenes in AEW.
2: It's, it's just, that's what, what you just said is what it is. It's just turmoil. I just, Tony's got to grab the reins or it's just going to go off the tracks. I mean, it's starting to, it's starting to start, the, the, it's like a train that's like the the, the wheels keep kind of picking up a little bit, but I, I, I mean, this, the stuff that's coming out, I mean, Jesus Christ, I mean. After the whole punk thing, you think it'd be kind of settled down, and then we had the Eddie Kingston Sammy backstage thing, and then now we have this. Like, I mean, it's clearly I feel like if it's not, just, it's, not it's the same person. I mean, it sounds like it's a recurring thing with Sammy. I mean, I, I understand that maybe Andrade threw the first punch, whatever, but I mean, he needs to be blamed too. It's not like clearly multiple people have issues with him,
1: mm.
2: not just one person. Now it's two times someone hit him or tried to hit him. So, uh, yeah, I mean,
1: it's a recurring theme.
2: like Andrade and Eddie Kingston are newcomers. They've been in the business for a long time. It just seems like Sammy's an unprofessional little prick, and they just let him get by with that.
1: Yeah, it's just... The whole thing's embarrassing, dude. The whole thing's embarrassing. This is not an isolated incident. It's happened a lot lately with people talking shit in interviews and on Twitter, behind the scenes. We <laughs> saw what happened at All Out. You know, Guevara and Kingston had their incident, as you mentioned. This is not... This is happening almost weekly, and... I see far more people talking about that than they did Wednesday show which after watching it back I did not watch live. I actually liked Wednesday show. I actually thought it was one of their better shows lately. I thought last week's show was not good at all. Um, I thought Dynamite this week the anniversary episode celebrating 3 years of Dynamite was actually quite good. The emphasis on the <coughs> excuse me, the emphasis on the in-ring action, hyping up next week's show from Canada, the um, episode in 2 weeks, the Tuesday night show. Headlined by Moxley and Page of the AW World Championship. Um, so, you, what was your overall takeaway? We'll get into the you know minutia, like the little you know bits and pieces. We'll break down the entire episode, but your overall thoughts on Wednesday's anniversary show of uh, Dynamite and whether you liked it or you didn't.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a solid show. Like you said, I, I think they also kind of overstacked this one with good in-ring matches. I mean, they pretty much. I, I think it was like six or seven matches they had. They had to advertise, and I thought they were all good to to great matches. I thought they did well in that aspect, but, uh, I mean, I just feel like this is also just like, they have one bad week, and then they're like, oh, next week's anniversary, so then they overbook it. Like, I think it was a good show, like, I'm not going to complain about that, but Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of some of their downfalls, is that they, like, hot shot book, and they're like, oh, we're going to put all this stuff on one show, like, get back in everyone's good gracious, or get a rating, and then it's like... Then, then a couple of weeks later, there'll be nothing, and then people complain the show's not good, and they'll do the same thing. So, although it was a solid show, like you said, but I just think that the 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 whole backstage thing—I—I I feel like it's—I feel like that the fact that that was more talked about than the anniversary show going into it—that just like. That's just no good.
1: Yeah, I mean, it happened the night of the show. I mean, it happened right before Dynamite went on the air. I mean, again, I wasn't following in real time on on Twitter or social media or whatever, but apparently the news broke from TMZ right before the show aired, and, I mean, it pretty much marred the show, and the show was fine. People were talking about some parts of the show. I mean, that was far more interesting than anything that happened on the show (laughs) itself. I mean, let's be honest here. I thought some of the matches were very good, but... You know, we, we we talked about the Sammy and Andrade stuff to start because that's more interesting than almost anything else going on in AEW right now. And, I mean, we won't go on a massive rant about this because we've talked about it time and time again, but they just need some sort of massive overhaul. All Out was a month ago. And looking at this card on paper from, you know, Wednesday's Dynamite. Again, good show. Where are we going? Like, what are we really setting up for Full Gear, for example? And I could see some stuff, like another doing Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus next week and not saving it for the pay-per-view, which was interesting. But like Darby Allen and Jay Lethal. Fucking random. Wardlow and Brian Cage. We haven't seen Brian Cage in a literal year on Dynamite. Where are we going with this? Um, The overarching stories are really whatever's going on with, uh, you know, MJF and Mox over the top title. Makes sense. And then, I mean, they're also building the Page and Moxley. I do like that build so far in two weeks. We're getting that match. But really, the Jericho Appreciation Society stuff is dominating Dynamite right now. And if you don't give a fuck about the Jericho Appreciation Society like we don't, or you don't give a fuck about Ring of Honor, which is really... I mean, this honestly felt more like a Ring of Honor show than an AEW show. You probably are not going to care most about what's going on in AEW right now. Do you feel the same way?
2: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Like you said, besides the JS stuff, it's basically just just Page and Moxley and then kind of the Ring of Honor stuff because nothing else really has a build to it, so, it, the JS stuff is so bad, so it's not even funny, so, I, like I, said, I thought it was a solid show, but like, they had a lot of good matches, but it's not like you said, it is, it's not like they're leading anywhere, it just, it's it feels like when they first started being on TV or they first started doing those, like, pay-per-views, there's was just a good match to have good matches, okay, good matches, like, you can put anyone in the ring and have a good match, I mean, it's not going anywhere. That's
1: the problem. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I look at a lot of these matches and stories or lack thereof on, on Dynamite right now, and it's just it's a lot of nothing. I mean, Rampage is fucking uh, the Varsity Blondes versus Josh Woods and Tony Nese on Friday. Who cares, dude? It's a live show, too. Battle of the Belts has three matches. Jade Cargill, Willow Nightingale for the TBS Championship. I like Willow, but it's like she's already beaten her before, and it's, she's not going to win. Um, it also kind of came out of nowhere. That's not even really a feud. Doing Pack and Trent. Okay, because Pac's feuding with Orange Cassidy. I mean, I guess. Um, again, a match we've seen before, whatever. Um, and then they're also doing FTR finally got a match. They told Tony Khan, hey, book us, brother. They said that at the New Japan show last week, and Tony Khan listened. So we put him on the show on Wednesday. Got a massive reaction, and now they're on Battle of the Belts at 11 p.m. on Friday night facing the Gates of Agony, who I guess have impressed in Ring of Honor on a show that doesn't exist. I mean, I'm glad we're seeing some more lesser, underutilized talents, people like Brian Cage, Wardlow, FTR. But it feels like he was like, all right, let's just get him on the show. And they're not really doing – there's a difference between being on the show and doing something of importance. None of these people are really involved in anything overly exciting right now.
2: I completely agree. No, I mean, the, the Battle of the Bouts at this point is just a joke. I mean, there hasn't been a good one since they started Um, The last couple of seem seemed like they've completely been thrown thrown together. This one's no different. I mean, Jade and Willow Nightingale, like, okay, Jade's going to beat her, so whatever. The FTR, I mean, like you said, I feel like that's just to put them on the show, just to put them on the show. There's, I mean, I don't even know who the team they're facing is. And then Trenton Pack, sure.
1: <laughs> it feels like yep. a glorified rampage.
2: Yeah, and it's at 11 o'clock. Who's going to watch that?
1: I just, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's better than doing it on Saturday night, opposite of extreme rules. That would be very dumb, but then it also begs the question... Why do it in the first place? I'm sure when TNT heard a year ago, oh, you're going to be getting four quarterly specials. I was excited. I'm thinking that's that's cool. You know, reminds me. I mean, I wasn't even alive back then, but they did that back on you know NWA and WCW the Saturday night special, 605 shit like that. All right, cool. These shows do not mean anything. I, I don't think I'm not even kidding, dude. <clears throat> I do not think the AEW World Title, which is being defended in two weeks and not up at all the belts. That has not been defended a single time in one of these Battle of the Belchos. So, so again, what's even the point?
2: Yeah, I don't think it has either. I'm trying to think. I think maybe the first one,
1: maybe. Uh, The first, what even was the first one? The first one was headlined, I think, by, I think Guevara and Dustin Rhodes had a match because Cody was supposed to (laughs) wrestle and then he couldn't. (laughs) So, um, oh, no, that one was Brett Baker and Riho for the title. That's what it was. I mean you can look it up. I'm just going off of memory, but um yeah, I don't think it's been defended a single time. We had a TNT title match on this show. They're having uh, I think another match on doing a title match on Rampage? I don't remember, but they're doing title matches after they're doing ring they're doing Danielson and Jericho on Dynamite, as they should be. But why in, in from a storyline booking standpoint, why would that not be on Battle of the Belts?
2: Yeah, I have a pull up here. The first one was Sammy versus Dustin for the interim TNT belt, Ricky Starks versus Seidel for the FTW belt, and Britt versus Riho.
1: Complete waste of time.
2: The second one was Sammy versus Scorpio Sky for the TNT belt. Jonathan Gresham versus Dalton Castle for the Ring of Honor World Championship and Thunder Roser versus Rose, Yep. Whatever. And then the last one was Wardlow versus Lethal, Thunder vs Jamie Hayter, and Claudio vs Kunsuke Takshida.
1: And that match was great, but I mean that was one of the that was probably the best of the three, but it wasn't must see. And of those nine title matches you mentioned, only one championship changed hands. I don't think any of them... No championship changed hands in the last one, right? Of the matches you mentioned?
2: No, none of them done.
1: Yeah, just, just Sammy beating Scorpio a few months ago. And on this one coming up on Saturday, obviously Jade's beating Willow. FTR's obviously winning their match. And I don't think Pac's losing his title. So again, that's 12 title matches. One That's like with the Elimination Chamber. I complain about it every year. They do Elimination Chamber. The title never fucking changes hands for the most part. It's like, why even bother? It's, it's just stupid. They're literally doing, dude, a six-man tag team title match on Friday night on Rampage, and they're not even sa- saving it for Battle of the Belts an hour later. And they're, they're both live.
2: Six-man tag match? What?
1: Yeah, did you see that? So they, they bumped Andrade versus Preston 10 Vance because Andrade, whatever happened with him, obviously. So now they're doing instead um, Death Triangle versus Dark Order for the six-man tag team titles. I
2: honestly totally forgot that Death Triangle even had trio's titles. Yeah, because they
1: haven't even really done anything with them at all. They haven't so been, been on it. TV
2: at all. How would you know? I totally forgot. Well, I mean, forgot.
1: they've been on TV, but I mean, I will say that. I mean, they had, they've had they had the Lucha Bros on, on the show a bit, but they haven't really done anything with it They, they just carry them like props. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So. Yeah,
2: exactly. That's what I meant.
1: Yeah. It's fucking dumb. It's a complete waste, but um, getting into this show, we'll talk a little bit about some of these matches here. I thought MJF and Wheeler Yuta actually had a great match. Yuta was Uh, more over here than I thought he would be. Uh, He was in his hometown a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was last week, and he was over there. I mean, he's from there, but, you know, he really hasn't been focused on in the last couple of months. I mean, he had that hot start in Black Bull Combat Club, but he really hasn't done a lot since. But I thought he was over here in front of the few thousand fans they had in attendance. And MJF was great. I mean, we have not seen him wrestle on Dynamite in a long time. This felt special. Uh, They worked amazingly well together. They have history from the independent scene, apparently, so that makes sense. And MJF picks up a uh, needed win, so I thought this was great stuff and a great way to kick off the show.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a solid way to start off the show. Like you said, they had good chemistry here. But I thought it was a good match overall. When I mean, they did, like, the 1,000, like, roll-ups, I didn't love that. I mean, that would probably be my one nitpick with the match. Like, when they continuously like, kept, like, roll like, come on. Yeah,
1: anyway, I know what you mean. Yeah, that, that was ridiculous. Of, yeah. I
2: don't know, I hate it. I mean, plenty of people do it, but I don't like it. But besides that, like you said, that was a good match. MGF winning, obviously. Um, perfect. The Aftermath. I mean, it was kind of weird. Like, MGF was like, oh, like, mm-hmm. I thought he was going like, to... He, like, acted like you didn't want to beat him up, and then nothing ever came out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lee Moriarty came was like, don't do it, and then he was going to hit him with the ring, but, like, there's still some doubt that, that was going to happen, then Regal came out with the, the brass knuck. So, uh, I don't know if that was just kind of like a swerve or what that really was, but it seemingly, like, he showed tension with the firm.
1: I was, was going to no say, do you, do you think anywhere. that goes anywhere, or do you think that was just a one-off?
2: I don't know. I mean, the firm means nothing anyway, so if he... Disbanded from them, it doesn't really matter. I haven't seen W. <laughs> I haven't seen W. Morrissey since that since he beat up Wheeler like three weeks ago, so who knows?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I noticed that too. I'm like, it's interesting, and I can't even say, oh, where are they going to go with the next because there's a lot of loose ends in this company, so I can't even say, oh, you know, wait for it to play out. I mean, we've said that with WWE, and obviously it's become a meme at this point, but with AEW, it's the same thing. Some of these things just don't get explained at all, um, so we'll see. We saw something similar in the following match Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal, another good match. Uh, random, well, whatever, good match, Allen wins, Um, he actually shook the hand of Lethal afterward, and he told Lethal, hey, you don't need those guys, referring to Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh, random Jay Lethal face turn, but as someone had brought up that I had, uh, I was like, oh, that's a good idea, they had mentioned that Jay Lethal, former Ring of Honor champion, so maybe the idea here is to turn him face, split him away from Sanjay and Satnam, which was a waste to begin with, and maybe build the Jericho and Lethal on an episode of Dynamite for the Ring of Honor title, I feel like that'd be a good idea.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't do it just for that sole reason to have him face Jericho, because that just... Don't yeah, he loses, more.
1: and then what? Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly,
2: because then, like you said, I feel like that's so short-term storytelling. Short-term, we're going to turn a babyface so he can lose to Jericho, and then what? So, I guess, yeah, like you said, it was kind of bizarre. Like, some of the... I, I didn't actually see the end of this match, like, downpoured at my house, and then, oh, I lost the dish at the very end.
1: Oh, <laughs> wow, that's I saw
2: that Darby won, but I didn't see the aftermath, but... I mean, if it's just to be like a short term, just to have them be babyface just to still lose to Jericho, I, I'd be against that. Because even if they do turn them, what are you going to do with them from there? I yeah, mean, I feel yeah. like that's one of the main problems with such a bloated roster to begin with. I mean, you can turn so many people face or heel, but there's just not that many spots to go. There's like you said, there's so many untied loose ends.
1: Yeah, well, it's worth noting too. I thought it was. It made sense, but then you put it that like that, you also have to think, too, Lethal came into the company as a face, did absolutely nothing for a good six, five, six months, turned heel, not that he's been pushed, but he's on, he was on the show a lot more after turning heel, and has been in the last couple of months than he ever was as a face, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like him being a heel might be just the best way to go, but that's just me. Yeah, I agree. Wardlow, Brian Cage, TNT title. Um, I enjoyed this. No, like, zero story. I mean, it was just a random spot fest. It was in. Open challenge, that's how they uh, explain people getting title shots now, you get throw the power rankings in the fucking garbage, I think even Tony Khan said they're not focusing on them anymore or whatever as much, It's they, they don't, it doesn't even matter, don't even bother trying to explain it, because or anyone, anyone bother trying to explain it because it just doesn't make sense, um, but I enjoyed the match, it was fine, FTR finally, you know, showed. It reminded us they have a job there, and, and they surfaced, and I thought that was well done, setting up the match for Friday. Uh, this was good. I just wish we would see more of Wardlow and FTR on TV. Joe Cage, that kind of goes for all of them.
2: Yeah, I missed this match too because of the rain, but I saw that Wardlow won. FTR came back. Thought, like you said, I, I, I think the bigger story for these guys is they just need to be on TV more. I mean, FTR's great. Wardlow's great. He made that big promo that people are saying on the internet that he hasn't done anything. Since, seemingly, since that promo, he has barely been on TV. So, <laughs> I mean, like you said, they just, its it was just an open challenge. That's how he got the title shot. I feel like now they've also focused on, like, before the, they, like, announced the match, they just do a random video package. and be like, oh, yeah, these guys are going to face each other on, on Friday night. Like, oh, 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 okay. Does that make it, like, does that justify that you're just doing random matches, They just do a random video package that, these people are going to face off. They did it with Dark Order and Truth uh, and Lucha Brothers. They're yeah. just like, here's a random video package that you watch, and they're like, oh yeah, then now they're going to face each other for the titles on, on Friday night. Uh, okay, I yeah, guess, sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just this just because you have a. I mean, I appreciate some explanation than no explanation, but it doesn't exactly make for great storytelling if you do a two second video package and we're supposed to give a shit. Like, it's it's still, it's still a very uninteresting matchup at the end of the day, but. You know, just, yeah, they remind us with a two second video package. Oh, Brian Cage is still here. It's like, okay. What do you, the thing is, he, he <laughs> they bring him in, he loses. Where do you, what do you do with Brian Cage now? Joe and Cage? I mean, cool. But like, again, beyond that, where are you going with him? He's not on why is he even there? I love Brian Cage, but I'm thinking, if they're not going to use him, then who, why even have him under contract?
2: Because that's what they do. I don't know.
1: It's called hoarding talent. I mean, listen, yeah. if, if he wants to work there, I mean, hoarding it would, would, I mean, they do, and WWE has done that, too. That would imply that he wants to leave. Maybe he would, but he's also an idiot for re-signing if he was to ever leave because he was the one that signed on the dotted line to begin with.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like now with how below the roster is, I feel like it's, I don't know, I just, I don't know why. There's so many people that aren't being used, I don't know why he would want to stay because I don't think there's any chance of them being
1: used yeah. at, like, a big level. No, nah, I think that's uh, that time has come and gone. We get to the women's match. I feel like Tony Khan only really knows that a book. Tag team matches with with the women on Dynamite and uh, multi-women matches. And we had Tony and Serena last week, but that was a random lumberjack match for no real reason. Um, I thought this was good, though. It was Tony Storm, Willow, Nightingale, and Athena beating the trio of Penelope Ford, Serena Deeb, Jamie Hayter. A couple takeaways here. I like Willow a lot. I think she's good. She's on the rise. She's likable. Um, They need a fresh face like someone that's not. We talked about this a week or two ago. They need women that aren't from WWE to build up. Um, Half of the women in this match are Serena, Tony, and Willa, or uh, Athena. Willow, I think, has a lot of potential. I'm glad she picked up the win. Obviously, they only did that to have her face Jade on Friday, and she'll lose. But I like that, give her some shine. And also, Jamie Hayter is very over. Uh, And I think to wait any longer to turn her face, maybe they just kept her heel because Soraya came in, and she kind of stole her shine, I guess, a little bit. To keep her heel for that much longer would be dumb because she's clearly over with this audience as a face, and I think they need her in that role.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say the biggest takeaway I had from this match that I her is, I mean, they should have turned her Grand Slam. Obviously, Soraya coming in was a kind of an overshadow, but I mean, if you don't do it now, you gotta do it soon. I mean, that it just needs to be done soon. That's all I can say, I guess.
1: Yeah, they got to do it soon and not drag it out another six months when no one's gonna care. Um, I, what'd you say?
2: I just feel like they're not gonna go in that direction right away it just doesn't seem like they're they're going that way, but we'll see.
1: From there we had the acclaim segment with Billy Gunn celebrating their tag team title victory a couple weeks ago. National Scissoring Days they called it. I, I love the acclaimed. I think the scissoring stuff is stupid, and know you feel the same way. People love it. I mean the, the AEW audience thinks it's amazing. They're they're I mean, at least they love the acclaim. That to me is the that, the real takeaway here. Um, And the other takeaway from this segment, aside from the pointless Mark Sterling involvement, I know they were tying up the loose end with his previous feud with Swerve, who gives a shit. Um, We're getting Swerve and Billy Gunn next week. The only thing I'm happy about is that we're getting heel Swerve. I think he's great in this role. The acclaimed are good. I think they're over right now. That's great. They're riding with them as champions. Heel Swerve, I think, is fucking great. And obviously him beating Billy Gunn next week is a must. To do anything else would be insanely dumb.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the whole scissoring thing to me is so fucking dumb. I don't care that it's over. It's over to 40-year-olds that have never had sex. I, I, I don't know. There's nothing for me. I don't understand how that's good or whatever. But like you said, they are extremely over, so I guess i give them that. But yeah, next week, it's got to be Swerve beating Billy gun and we get more heel Swerve.
1: Exactly, get more heel Swerve, which is money. Uh, Luchasaurus squashing Fuego do Sol or actually before that we had Hangman Adam Page beating Roosh Uh, good match here to set up Page and Moxley for the uh, title match in two weeks Roosh I think is great we found out last week he is officially signed to AEW Uh, I think that was made he was made all the late which I thought he already was uh, four or five months ago, but now it's official. He's an official member of the roster. He's really good, and I think he speaks well enough to where I think he can really stand out on the show, and I'm happy he's getting more TV time lately. Made the most of the opportunity, had a good match, and I thought Moxley's post-match promo was good as well. Any thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, I thought this was a good match. I, th- I think Hangman and Roosh had a great match. I like Roosh a lot. I think he's going to be one of those guys that do get kind of get caught up in the "where do we do with you kind of category, mm-hmm. so we'll see where it goes from here. I feel like... If Andrade left, he'd kind of be slated in that same role, which he didn't do nothing anyway. So, we'll see. I, I think he's good in the ring. Um, but, like I said, I kind of worry that he'll be in the category if they don't really know what to do with him. So, I thought this was a good match, though. Hangman and Moxley would be good next week. And, I like you said, the promo's pretty good for Moxley as well.
1: Yeah, all about the aftermath. We see it every single fucking week on this show. Uh, Luchasaurus Jungle Boy set up for next week after Luchasaurus squashing Fuego. I like the fact Christian's still there doing the talking for Luchasaurus. Um, even though he's hurt and will be hurt for a while. He's got his arm in a sling. So I'm surprised they're doing that on Dynamite next week. I mean, that's not the main event, but I am looking forward to seeing how they work together and whatever. Um, I honestly don't know who wins. And Full Gear is in like a month, so maybe they want to do a rematch of Full Gear. That would make sense. I don't know if you could drag this out for a month without doing a match, so I'm not overly against the idea of doing it next week. But, um... Yeah, no, I think this is going to be, I think it's going to be good, and I'm curious to see where it goes, so not really much on this, but I want to get your thoughts on uh, what we got here.
2: Yeah, it's just like your prototypical squash right here, like you said, for Luchasaurus. Christian being there is nice, like you said, to keep him like a mouthpiece and kind of keep it more interesting. If it's Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, nothing for, like, no Christian involvement, I feel like it'd be pretty stale, because, I I mean, not like Luchasaurus can talk, so, Um, but no, I thought this was good, what it needed to be, and like I said, next week should be interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see what they do, and, uh, you know, it's been many, many months, and they still have yet to explain why Luchasaurus joined Christian. Did they ever give us an explanation as to why that happened? I mean, I know they were teasing, oh, there's a reason. That was four or five months ago, and they haven't even brought it up since. They haven't mentioned it at all. Nah, I know Jungle Boy said last night he was heartbroken. Okay, but, like, did you ever bother to ask why he did what he did? Just stupid. Just just because, I guess. Just because he felt like it. Dumb. And we already kind of talked about the main event, but, uh... Chris Jericho, the Ring of Honor World Champion, Sammy Guevara, taking on and beating the duo of Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson. Uh, I like the match. I actually don't mind the story that they're doing with uh, Daniel Garcia and Jericho and that whole thing. I just don't really want it to be the center focal point of the show, the centerpiece of Dynamite. It's main evented the show two weeks in a row. It probably will next week. Jericho, Danielson, main event of Dynamite again. I, I don't know. I mean, I like the story and all, but... I honestly thought Garcia might turn on Danielson and we're like, Oh yeah, we're all one big happy family, which would be incredibly fucking dumb. Um, but as someone who doesn't really care for the story at all, I'm curious what your take on the main event was. And I mean, we already talked about it earlier. The fact that Sammy won after everything that happened earlier in the day, what just for heat is also very tone deaf as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was a fine match. Like you said, I feel like Sammy beating Daniel Garcia was just to do the whole pure title thing, but no one really cares. Um, It was a fine match. I'm extremely over this whole JS stuff. I mean, the less is better, and we get a ton of it on the show. Um, But like I said, for everything going down, the fact that Sammy was even on the show, begin with, and then two, pinning Daniel Garcia. I know know Tony Khan went to his wedding, but I mean, buddy, open your eyes. I mean, what the fuck's
1: going on? Yeah, he shouldn't have even been on the show. If he was going to be on the show but not wrestling, then maybe, but... He was not only on the show, he won the main event. And it's like, oh, everyone hates him. And he was getting a lot of heat during this match. But it's like, I know they're trying to capitalize it. I get it. They're trying to capitalize on it. I I, I understand that. But at the same time, it's like, you got to step in and do something. to kind of put a bow on that. They have to have some sort of ramifications for both guys. I mean, Sammy's as... Maybe not as much of the problem as Andrade because I, I I think Andrade I mean I think it's fucking funny what he did. Um, professionally you probably shouldn't be going around attacking people. We mentioned I've mentioned that before, the elite punk stuff, you can't go around fucking punching people. Um, I mean Sammy it sounds like he shoved Andrade, which he shouldn't have done. So if he did that, then why was he even on the show? Just just stupid. The whole thing is dumb. Um, they got to get their shit in order, and it's only getting worse from a PR standpoint. It's just an absolute fucking mess over there right now. And until they can figure that shit out, no one's going to give a fuck about the product until they can get their house in order over an AEW behind the scenes. Um, as far as Raw goes, I thought Raw was a fine show. We'll talk more about Extreme Rules in a second. That's kind of what I want to ask you about as far as predictions and stuff. Um, I thought Raw was a fine go-home show as far as setting up the show for Saturday, Nothing really overly standing out. I thought Gargano and Candice both losing was a little weird. Um, I thought Strowman and Gable had a really fun match while well, that lasted. I thought the Bianca and Bailey contract signing was solid. Then we had EOSky Sky and Alexa Bliss in the main event. Eh, I mean, not really much there. Um, Daniel Cormier in the, uh, you know, fight pit on, uh, on, on Saturday at Extreme Rules. We'll talk about that in a moment, but... Uh, Yeah, I'm curious what your thoughts on uh, Raw were for Monday, if anything really stood out to you. I thought it was, again, I thought it was a good, solid show. I thought it was a weaker show compared to last week, not one of Triple H's better Raws so far. Um, But I thought it was fine, and uh, it seemed like we got a lot of heat segments for Judgment Day and Damage Control on the show.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a good show overall. I mean, like I said, everything was kind of there. I thought everything that was done was good to to great, nothing kind of terrible was on the show. I did have a question for you, though. I was going to ask you, do you think it's starting to get to the point with Damage Control that they're kind of starting to become overbooked, over-saturated? I feel like they're on every show, all over the show. They're just giving me, like, Bailey-Sasha vibes from from 2020.
1: Correct. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I haven't really talked about that at all, but I would agree. I I actually like the faction. We talked about it last week. Um, I like the faction, as do you, a bit more than... Most. I've seen the criticism the complaints about like, oh, the, it's just not working. I do agree with that to an extent. I mean, it's just a little off. I don't know if it was the fact that they lost the tag team title tournament and then they got the belts two weeks later. That was a little weird. I'm not even sure if uh, Io Sky and Dakota Kai would have won the belts had Aliyah not gotten injured. I don't know if that happened during the match or she had to take time off and that's why they did the title change. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. But I know it's a three-hour show. Three hours are always going to be tough regardless of how good the show is. I do think they're overexposed as far as, like, they had, what, four or five segments on Raw this week, and it makes sense early on um, just to establish them. I understand why they did it on this show. They wanted to put heat on the group because they really don't have a lot of heat right now. They need it because they kind of come out most weeks and they don't get a reaction. Um, yeah, I mean, do you think that can be fixed as far as the overexposure? Where do you fall on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just think it doesn't help that they're on SmackDown as well. I understand no, that I agree, yeah championship but they're on SmackDown like Bailey's wrestling on SmackDown even though she's a Raw superstar at least if Io and Dakota it's like okay they're the tag champions that are allowed to be on each show but I just feel like even like the bloodline like yeah they're on the shows but I just I don't know for them maybe it's just because like you said maybe they don't have a connection and they're kind of just like forced down your throat like the bloodline doesn't bother me because I actually like seeing them What's well, the best storyline of the
1: entire company yeah.
2: people, I'm just like oh my god how many times are we going to see you on one show
1: yeah I mean the bloodline stuff yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's just the best storyline in the company, and uh, I don't know, they're all over the show, and it, maybe it's just different because Raw's three hours and Smackdown's two, and I mean, they're not all over. they I feel like they're not on Smackdown as much as the as Damage Control is, you know. So hopefully they can fix that issue coming out of Extreme Rules, um, and we'll get into it right now talking about Extreme Rules on Saturday. Let's we'll start with that match: Bianca Belair Bailey ladder match, Raw Women's Championship. This is a tough one to call, dude. I think either woman could walk out with the title. Bailey, um, you know, she's been I mean, not the hottest superstar in the entire roster as far as momentum goes. But, you know, she hasn't been beaten yet. She pinned Bianca at Clash. The first woman to do so in like 300 days since that Raw that you were at in November last year when uh, Becky beat her on Raw. She has not been pinned beyond that in Clash. So they've really protected Bianca. She's not getting pinned on Saturday because it's a ladder match. Did they put all the gold on uh, damage control, as we saw at the end of Raw, or does Bianca remain Raw Women's Champion for a little while longer?
2: Oh, you're asking me, of course. Um,
1: <sighs> I'm not gonna I, give you my answer.
2: <laughs> I know, of course, you know you always like the hard ones. You make me go first. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Bailey. I think if you're gonna go all in the group, she—I mean, she should she should win here. Um, I like think you said Bianca's not getting pinned, so it's not like it's not the biggest deal of all time, but. If you want this group to be over and people care about it, I feel like you have to put the belt on If she can't win the belt, they're kind of just like a middle card team at that point. So I, I, I think you should have Bailey win here, put the gold on her, and then start building it up better. Because like I said, no one really does care about the group. Like It's not like they get heat or anything. But if they have the belt on them, maybe they can do a better job of that.
1: Do you think that... I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Bailey as well. I think Bailey wins the championship. Do you think that happens because with War Games right around the corner? If Bailey loses, what's really the reason for the babyfaces to avenge the heels? I just feel like the heels kind of have to get one over on Bianca now, which will lead to Becky coming back to even the odds.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, they need they they have no heat right now. I mean, yeah, they did beat Um Oscar on 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 Raw, and but besides that, I feel like. Bailey needs a win to kind of solidify herself, so uh, that's why I have her winning here.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going with the same pick as well. Uh, Karrion Cross, Drew McIntyre, first time ever here. The feud's been fairly hit or miss. You know that uh, fireball segment a week or two ago, not the greatest. They they fucked it up. It was an accident, but they recovered nicely. This is a must win situation for Karrion. I feel like, you know, it's not he's not getting pinned one two three. I mean, it is. I think you win by pinfall, but he's not getting pinned. One, two, three, clean, and then it's over for him. I mean, it is a strap match. It it would take a lot for Drew to beat him. I still don't think he should lose. I know Drew's coming off a loss at the pay-per-view at Clash of the Castle, but Drew is Drew. Drew should not be losing seven matches in a row, but he's established enough, and he also, before Clash, had not lost at all in like a fucking year. So I feel like he can lose this and he'll be okay. To me, it's more about building up Carrion than it is keeping Drew at the level that he's at. Drew wins. Okay, cool. What's next? And maybe they move on, but I feel like Karrion has to win here, even if it's via nefarious means and Scarlett gets involved. You can't bring the guy back to the company, make him one of the top heels on SmackDown, and have him lose in match one. Even if he wins the rematch, you have to win the first match to me. If Drew ultimately wins in the end, okay. But I feel like the first match has got to go to Karrion, otherwise it's going to be really hard for a lot of people to care about him.
2: I completely agree. I mean... Yeah, that's kind of what my Bailey kind of take is obviously Bailey's established, but with this new group, you kind of need the win to kind of solidify yourself. Same with Kerry, yeah, and I, I just if he lost to Drew here and they did a rematch, and he won, no one would care. It was like it's like the Wyatt versus Cena from thirty, like exactly yeah, Wyatt rematches, but no one remembers that. Like I think you have to have him win here, even if he, I think you should have Karrion just go. If you're gonna have him push him all the way up, I would just have him continue to keep beating Drew. Drew doesn't lose anything unless this. drew freaking McIntyre, so. I would have Karrion win as, as much as possible if we were going to push him all the way up.
1: I mean, just push him the same way with a bit of a tweak as they did in NXT. I mean, he ran rampant over that entire roster for his first year on the show, dude. I mean, he wasn't pinned at all. I mean, he beat Tommaso Ciampa clean in one of his first major matches on TakeOver decisively in a matter of minutes. Uh, I know Drew was in a higher spot than Tommaso Ciampa was at that point in NXT, but book it the same way. And then I didn't think he beat Keith, and the match wasn't that good. But, you know, he beat Keith decisively as well to become an NXT champion. I'm not saying he should beat Roman Reigns to become champion anytime soon, if ever. Um, but still, I mean, he's got to at least get some momentum first to really start off his Raw, or rather, SmackDown run on the right note. So I'm going with you on that as well. Uh, we go from there to uh, another, you know, talk about rematches. Brawling Brutes versus Imperium. Uh, good old Donnie Brooks six-man tag team match. The first one we actually caught in a hotel room in Nashville that did it on SmackDown right before SummerSlam. Sheamus and Drew was a great match. Um, they're doing it again, uh, they, uh, this time in six-man tag team action. Their original match was one of my favorite SmackDown matches all fucking year. But a uh, month ago, a couple weeks ago, fantastic match. We are getting Sheamus and Gunther 2 on Friday for the Intercontinental Championship. So two-part question for you, not, I mean, relating to Extreme Rules. Who wins on Friday? Who walks out as Intercontinental Champion? And how, if at all, does that factor into Saturday with who wins that match?
2: You have Gunther win on Friday, and you have the baby faces win
1: on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. I think they lost the first match, and Perry won the first one, so I think, you know, I don't know. I, I think Sheamus becoming champion would be cool. You're going to be there for it. It's going to be a great show. It's, it would be an awesome moment in person. I just feel like there's so much more for Gunther to do as champion, and Triple H booking now hopefully gives me, gives me hope that they're not going to have Gunther lose for a long time. He's only been beaten clean twice on his own in singles, you know, just twice in the last like three or four years, so I feel like it's it's still too premature um, to beat him. Would you agree? I agree. SmackDown Women's Championship: Ronda Rousey, Liv Morgan, Extreme Rules SmackDown Women's Title. Who wins? Liv Morgan. How so? You didn't clean. Well, not clean, but you didn't clean, I don't think she's involved?
2: She don't, well, she's not going to win clean. I don't know. I have a feeling that it's not going to be an alliance, but I feel like Shane is going to cost Ronda. It's not going to be like a live alliance with her, but I feel like Shane is going to. I mean, they tease that little thing like she's like, "Oh, Shayna are gonna come back." And I feel like it's gonna she's gonna come out, and Ronda's gonna think she's on her side, and she's gonna beat the hell out of Ronda, and Liv's gonna capitalize.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I don't really need to see a Liv Shayna, you know, pairing. Um, I don't know if Liv needs to be a heel. Maybe she will be. I don't really know. She's been teasing being a heel. Doesn't really need to be Liv Morgan's bodyguard or whatever, but. We might be getting a Ronda Sheena feud out of it, and uh, that's interesting. I think what they're doing with Ronda right now is probably better than anything else they've had her do, you know, up to this point in her uh, most recent WWE run. So, I agree. I think, hmm, actually, I don't know. I might take that back. I might take that back. I don't, I was going to say Ronda Rousey wins the title. I'm going to say Ronda Rousey wins the title, because I feel like Liv already beat her twice. I don't know if they would have Ronda lose the third time. I'm going to say Ronda Rousey wins, but if Liv wins, I agree with you. I do think that's how it happens. Do you think Charlotte shows up at any point soon to challenge for the championship? I hate to even bring that up, but I need to bring it up.
2: I hope not.
1: <laughs> Could happen as soon as next Friday. Um, Edge and Finn Balor, I quit match. This is should be the end. It probably won't be. I think... Hmm, I'm going to say Edge wins, but I really think Finn Balor should win if they really want to keep this group alive that we don't really care about at this point. If they lose, they should break them up. They're not going to. So they just—they're starting to do the Dominic Ray thing. I think Judgment Day needs the Heat. I just have this feeling they don't give a fuck about like Finn Balor winning. I don't know. I'm gonna say Edge for the safe choice, but I do want Finn Balor to win though.
2: I'm same with you. I think Edge will win, but I think Finn should win. I—I I mean, I still don't care about Judgment Day. The Dominic and Rhea thing kind of intrigues me a little bit. It's a little bit better than where it was with do- with her and the other two, but I mean, it's not like it's a lot better, but. Uh, yeah. I just, I think, like I said, if, if you want the group to be over, they need to win, and they never do, especially when it matters the most. I mean, they won a random match, but I don't think they've won a pay per view yet. So I think Edge will win, but I think Finn should win.
1: Yeah, I mean, we also talked about it a week or two ago. How many matches, I quit matches, do babyfaces lose? It does not happen often, unless there's some severe cheating, which has happened, which I feel like is going to happen here if Finn Balor wins, but Finn needs to win. I think Edge wins, and it would be Edge's first loss in over a year. I think that would be a big, you know, coup for for Balor. I just don't know if I see that happening. Uh, and we get to what I think will be the main event: Matt Riddle, Seth freaking Rollins, uh, Fit Pit, uh, Fight Pit match. What did I say? Pit fight, uh, Fight Pit, Fit Pit, yeah. <laughs> pit, pit. <laughs> pit, pit. Uh, Fight Pit match. Daniel Cormier, UFC Hall of Famer, former UFC World Heavyweight Champion, serving as the special guest referee. I don't know where this came out of, but I saw on Twitter today, apparently Rollins asked Cormier himself to be the referee, which is pretty fucking cool, Um, I guess obviously he's very fond of Rollins, he was there when he cashed in seven years ago, so not exactly impartial, Um, but I'm looking forward to this, we saw the fight pit in NXT, I'm glad the fact they showed a video package in Raw this week, kind of showing people what it was all about, like that. And, um, yeah, no, I just, I I thought this was, uh, you know, a good segment, good build on Monday's Raw, and I think this match is going to be very good on Saturday. I do think it's going to close the show, and I feel like Matt Riddle has to win this one.
2: Yeah, I don't know, I just do think, when you say the first one, they had a match, already?
1: Yeah, Clash of the Castle.
2: Oh, yeah, I forgot. (laughs) Yeah, he hit hit him with the double, he hit him from the top, like, mid-rope stop, right? Yeah,
1: great finish, yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I would say Riddle. I don't know. I feel like Ron should win a lot, but I feel like he needs it. But if in this specific match, we said it's not like a normal match. Riddle does need some more momentum. I feel like he's lost a lot of, I don't know if you say steam, but like, he's not where he was when Randy was around. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think Riddle winning here would be
1: big. So I'll go with Riddle as well. What are your thoughts on Cormier coming as the uh, referee? I think that's pretty cool. Love it. Love it, and do you think it leads to anything involving him and Brock going forward? I heard that's the rumor.
2: Yeah, that's what I saw. I mean, I also think he'd be good as like a, a color commentary guy down yeah. the road as well. I know he's, I know he's like done stuff at the PC and like showing interest in that in the future. So I think that'd be good as well. But yeah, I mean, him and Brock at WrestleMania, book it.
1: Hey, hashtag book it. I mean, Brock needs a new opponent. I heard Brock will either be a crown jewel or a day one. They could do it before them, but I also get flashbacks to Cormier, and not Cormier, but uh, Brock and Kane three years ago and how much of a disaster that was. Give me a bell. Give me a bell. Okay, we'll see. Hashtag book it. <laughs> not really many of their logical opponents for. Uh, for Brock right now in WWE Seriously, anyway. I feel
2: like he's, like and the problem with him is he's so big, like not that he's so big, like big as a uh, physical, mm-hmm. but like he's such a big star. It's like, you can't just, I mean, he needs to go in there with someone that could possibly beat him or someone could give him a run. So I feel like Cormier is the perfect person that they like had that little beef in UFC too. And they never actually, they never actually wrestled or fought because Brock never came back. So yeah. it's the perfect story there. So I, I'm down for that.
1: I'm down for it as well. And uh, last question for you. White Rabbit, does Bray Wyatt show up on Saturday or somebody else that might be behind White Rabbit, which is very unlikely at this point? It's,
2: it's going to be Corbin. People need to stop <laughs> getting so excited. It's definitely Corbin. Sorry, Alexis. It oh is. It. Just kidding. It's definitely going to be Wyatt, hopefully. The place <laughs> will go nuts. GSM will lose his pants. I mean, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be cool. I know it is. So, it's, it's, it's the whole What they've done so far has been very interesting, and I think the reveal will be cool as well. I'm not sure exactly what you do with them. I don't know if it's like... They're just gonna—he's just gonna resurface, or it's gonna be like right into a feud. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Maybe we could just do right right into him and Riddle, who knows, or him and the Rollins. uh, I think there's a ton of possibilities, but no, I think he'll be back on Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Saturday, yeah. So I, I think that's that's the direction they're going in.
1: You think that's what closes the show? It should. I think so as well. I feel like the close with anything else, even if it's Bailey becoming champion, would not be as hot of an ending as Bray Wyatt coming back. So I agree with you on that. Uh, that's going to do it, Mr. Marceau, for today's show. Uh, great anniversary edition of WrestleRant Radio here today. New episodes, obviously, every single Thursday. WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. New episodes every Single Thursday. Uh, Mr. Marceau, brother, it's been a blast these past nine years with you here on the show. God, we're getting fucking old. It's crazy. Uh, you got a birthday coming up next month. I can't wait for that. Can't wait to see you for Survivor Series. But I can't wait for you to be at SmackDown first and foremost tomorrow night. Have a blast, brother.
2: Thank you, GSM. Can't wait to see you too, man.
1: Can't wait to see you. Have a great time at SmackDown. I need pictures, I need videos, and I need a picture of you and Papa Marceau sitting whatever seats you guys get.
2: I'll send you on.
1: Sounds good, brother. Have a great time. I'll talk to you soon.
2: Later.